I speak in the spirit of British law, which makes liberty commensurate with the British soil, and which proclaims to the stranger and to the sojourner that the ground on which he treads is holy and is consecrated to the genius of universal freedom. Ninety percent of the large fish in the oceans are already gone. Where is your threshold for resistance? Is it 91 percent? 92? 93? 94? Would you wait till they had killed off 95 percent? 96? 97? 98? 99? How about 100 percent? Would you fight back then? If salmon could take on human manifestation, what would they do? What would we do if Nazis had invaded and they were vacuuming the oceans, scalping native forests, damming every river, changing the climate, and putting carcinogens into every mother's breast milk and into the flesh of your children, your lover, your mother, into your own flesh? How much worse would the damage have to get? Would you resist? If there existed a resistance movement, would you join it? Perfect storm. The strategy. Storm. The strategy of deep green resistance starts by acknowledging the dire circumstances that industrial civilization has created for life on this planet, and that these circumstances should be met with solutions that match the scale of the problems. This is a vast undertaking, but it needs to be said. It can be done. Industrial civilization can be stopped. Deep Green Resistance is a plan of action for anyone determined to fight for this planet and win. Decisive Ecological Warfare by Eric McBain Chapter 14 of the book Deep Green Resistance, Strategy to Save the Planet There is a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick of heart, that you can't take part, you can't even passively take part, and you've got to put your bodies upon the gears, upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. Mario Savio, Berkeley Free Speech Movement. To gain what is worth having, it may be necessary to lose everything else. Bernadette Devlin, Irish activist and politician. Bringing it down, collapse scenarios. Do the sermon. <laughs> At this point in history, there are no good short-term outcomes for global human society. Some are better, and some are worse, and in the long term, some are very good, but in the short term, we are in a bind. I'm not going to lie to you, the hour is too late for cheering. The only way to find the best outcome is to confront our dire situation head on, and not to be diverted by false hopes. Human society, because of civilization specifically, has painted itself into a corner. As a species, we're dependent on the drawdown of finite supplies of oil, soil, and water. Industrial agriculture, 
annual grain agriculture performance has put us into a vicious pattern of population growth and overshoot. We long ago exceeded carrying capacity in the workings of civilization and destroying that carrying capacity by the second. This is largely the fault of those in power, the wealthiest, the states and corporations. But the consequences and the responsibility for dealing with it fall to the rest of us, including non-humans. Physically, it's not too late for a crash program to limit births to reduce the population, cut fossil fuel consumption to nil, replace agricultural monocrops with perennial polycultures, end overfishing, and cease industrial encroachment on or destruction of remaining wild areas. There's no physical reason we couldn't start all of these things tomorrow, stop global warming in its tracks, reverse overshoot, reverse erosion, reverse aquifer drawdown, and bring back all the species and biomes currently on the brink. There's no physical reason we couldn't get together and act like adults and fix these problems, in the sense that it isn't against the laws of physics. But socially and politically, we know this is a pipe dream. There are material systems of power that make this impossible as long as those systems are still intact. Those in power get too much money and privilege from destroying the planet. We aren't going to save the planet or our own future as a species without a fight. What's realistic? What options are actually available to us and what are the consequences? What follows are three broad and illustrative scenarios. One in which there is no substantive or decisive resistance. One in which there is limited resistance and a relatively prolonged collapse. And one in which all-out resistance leads to the immediate collapse of civilization and global industrial infrastructure. I come here because slavery is the common enemy of mankind. And because the same principle which enslaves the black man will enslave the white man. And as England and Scotland had something to do in the enslaving of my race, I come to ask you to lend a hand in destroying this horrible relation. In thinking of America, I sometimes find myself admiring her bright blue sky, her grand old woods, her fertile fields, her beautiful rivers, her mighty lakes, and star-crowned mountains. But my rapture is soon checked. My joy is soon turned to mourning. When I remember that all is cursed with the infernal spirit of slaveholding, robbery, and wrong, I am filled with unutterable loathing and led to reproach myself that anything could fall from my lips in praise of such a land. In reading about the Send Back the Money campaign, it seems almost like he walked into the perfect storm. Oh, he did. Some are too afraid of being called terrorists by those who are murdering the planet. Some believe using the same tactics that have not worked for the last 40 years, whether it be protests or petitions, collaboration with corporations, or window breaking, will magically start being effective. Some think a technological solution will appear to make it all go away. Some have pinned their hopes on lifestyle changes, 
and its corollary, personal change, as if individual behaviors can dismantle systemic problems. And finally, some just have hope, the groundless, amorphous belief that allows us to keep living these lives while all around us and inside us the destruction grows exponentially. The hard truth is none of this has or will work ever. Yet these represent the majority of our efforts to save the earth. Those who come after, who inherit whatever's left of the world once this culture has been stopped, are going to judge us by the health of the land base, by what we leave behind. They're not going to care how we lived our lives. They're not going to care how hard we tried. They're not going to care whether we were nice people. They're not going to care whether we were non-violent or violent. They're not going to care whether we grieved the murder of the planet. They're not going to care what sort of excuses we had to not act. They're not going to care how simply we lived. They're not going to care how pure we were in thought or action. They're not going to care if we became the change we wished to see. They're not going to care whether we voted Democrat, Republican, Green, Libertarian, or not at all. They're not going to care if, if we wrote really big books about it. They're not going to care whether we had compassion for the CEOs and politicians running this deathly economy. They're going to care whether they can breathe the air and drink the water. Environmentalists fight as hard as we can to protect the places we love, using the tools of the system the best that we can. Yet we do not do the most important thing of all. We do not question the existence of this death culture. We do not question the existence of an economic and social system that is working the world to death, that is starving it to death, that is imprisoning it, that is torturing it. We never question the logic that leads inevitably to clear cuts, murdered oceans, loss of topsoil, dammed rivers, poisoned aquifers. When most people ask, how can we stop global warming? They aren't really asking what they pretend they're asking. They are instead asking, how can we stop global warming without stopping the burning of oil and gas, without stopping the industrial infrastructure, without stopping this omnicidal system? Resistance. If there is no substantive resistance, likely there will be a few more years of business as usual, though with increasing economic disruption and upset. In this scenario, each negative aspect of the collapse of civilization has a reciprocal trend that the resistance movement encourages. The collapse of large authoritarian political structures has a counter-trend of emerging small-scale participatory political structures. The collapse of global industrial capitalism has a counter-trend of local systems of exchange, cooperation and mutual aid, and so on. Generally speaking, in this alternate future, a small number of underground people bring down the big bad structures, and a large number of above-ground people cultivate the little good structures. The people in that scenario will never have the numbers that protracted popular warfare requires, but they will also face a different kind of adversary, for which different tactics are applicable. So they will take the essential idea of protracted popular warfare 
transfer and apply it to their own situation, that of needing to save their planet, to bring down industrial civilization and keep it down. And they will devise a new grand strategy based on a simple continuum of steps that flow logically one after the other. In this alternate future scenario, Decisive ecological warfare has four phases that progress from the near future through the fall of industrial civilization. The first phase is networking and mobilization. The second phase is sabotage and asymmetric action. The third phase is systems disruption. And the fourth and final phase is decisive dismantling of infrastructure. Each phrase has its own objectives, operational approaches, and organizational requirements. There's no distinct dividing line between the phases, and different regions progress through the phases at different times. These phases emphasize the role of militant resistance networks, the above-ground building of alternatives and revitalization of human communities happen at the same time, but this does not require the same strategic rigor. Rebuilding healthy human communities with a subsistence base must simply happen as fast as possible, everywhere, with timetables and methods suited to the region. This scenario's militant resistors, on the other hand, need to share some grand strategy to succeed.
Oh.